Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by SEO Samba, comprehensive high-performing marketing solutions for mature and emerging franchise brands. To supercharge your franchise marketing, go to seosamba.com. That's S-E-O-S-A-M-B-A dot com. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Franchise Marketing Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Brent Dowling with Raintree Sales. Welcome, Brent. Thank you, Lee. I am excited to learn about Raintree Sales. Tell us what you're up to. How are you serving folks? Yeah, we uh, Raintree is a franchise sales organization or an outsourced franchise development company. Two ways of saying it, but effectively what we do is partner with franchise brands um, to help drive them through growing them by by selling franchises for them. We take the burden of growth off their plate allowing them to focus solely on taking the franchisees we send them, getting them open, getting them happy, getting them profitable and, and growing a better, better brand. Um, so we do that for uh, 15 brands right now, soon to be 16 we'll announce soon, but um, we have an eclectic mix of brands from some food brands to some service brands to some retail brands. And uh, yeah, we've been doing it eight years and, and have now, sold over 2000 franchises and, and, and going strong and having fun. So how'd you get into this line of work? I, um, I was working actually at the United Nations, uh, or just over 10 years ago now, almost 11. Um, I, I did a political science degree and thought I was going to be an Australian diplomat and went and did that for a little bit, went and represented there. And long story short, it really wasn't what I thought it would be. And I had to kind of, start from scratch. So I enrolled in an MBA. And while I was going through that, and I was doing that here from the States, um, I came across this little sector I'd never heard of in in one of the courses um, called franchising. And I didn't really understand it. And then, you know, you scratch the surface and, and learn that it's this quiet industry that's actually trillions of dollars worth um, that nobody really talks about that touches everybody every day. And I thought that was fascinating. So Another long story short, I, I took the first job I could find in the franchise space um, out here in Colorado. I took a, an entry-level part-time marketing job for a popcorn franchisor um, and um, ended up partnering with a, with a, with a, my, my partner at Raintree now, Mike Edwards. He, he did the sales for that popcorn franchise. I did the marketing and we took it from five to 300 in three years and um, had a bunch of job offers at the time around other franchises sort of saying, hey, would you want to come and do that for us? And, and we realized we kind of worked pretty well together and we'd, we'd figured some stuff out and, and thought, why, why do it for just one more brand? Why not help a number of brands at, at one time? And So fast forward eight years, uh, Rain Trees is where it is now. And the way that you um, work is a little different than most other agencies. You're, you're very much kind of... Um part of the team literally and um, financially, right? Yeah. Yeah. In a couple of brands, we, um, we bought the franchise, right? So um, we recently partnered with Voodoo as the franchise or we came in and, and invested and acquired the majority of, of that and have done the same with another brand called kid create studio um, for the rest of the brands. We, we put capital in by putting, you know, we put about a six person team on every brand we partner with um, and we're really only rewarded financially when we perform, when we bring franchisees. So there's certainly a, an investment from Raintree into a partnership. If it doesn't work out, you know, 
we have something to lose too. And we like that model. We like that we're both in it together. Um, but in the cases of, of Kid Create Studio and Voodoo Brewery, yeah, it was a, a full, fully uh, a, a full investment to, to acquire the franchise all rights. So then what made you kind of um, approach the business with this skin in the game uh, philosophy rather than where most people want to just, Hey, just pay me my rate and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I mean, we looked, especially a partner who had been in franchising 20 plus years. Um, the whole idea of an FSO was always very attractive, but you know, there were really two camps that we saw when we started Ringtree in terms of what options were out there in FSOs for franchise brands to choose. Uh, and if you, if you really did the research where we're, we're just talking now about the, the small group of FSOs that really perform that have the track record um, and, and deliver the results. I'm not talking about, you know, many of the other options out there. And we, within those two groups, you had, you know, again, some great reputable companies that are still in existence today and have a lot of respect for, uh, but some of those wanted equity up to 30% of, of the franchise business just for the rights to partner with them in a, 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 or, or get their services as FSO. And so we weren't terribly excited about giving the third of the company away just to have a, a sales and marketing arm added to, to the franchise. On the other side of it, there's, there's some pretty exorbitant um, retainers. You know, we were seeing six, eight, ten thousand dollars a month just again for the rights to work with them, not including any of the marketing that we would have had to spend, um, not including the commissions we would have had to pay. So we saw, you know, two two spectrums, both expensive in different ways, and thought there's probably a better way to do it where it's a little more um, again, pay for performance driven. That there was a little bit more fairer to the brand. And that's how we establish Raintree. We don't take any brand equity. Um but we have a, a commission fee and just a small retainer, a very small skin in the game fee, about a fifth of what I just mentioned. Um, and, and that's how we've set it up. And, and again, it's, it's worked well for eight years. Now we've had basically the same structure from day one as we have today. So now um, you mentioned the variety of franchise that you work with. I would imagine if you're taking this approach, you're pretty selective who you partner with. You must have to feel pretty confident that you're going to be able to deliver. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, I think right now it's it's busy, a little busier this time of year as brands kind of really start to put the foot on the gas and really think, how am I going to get above the noise and, and find franchisees and actually hit my franchise sales goal this year? And we see a little bit more of that activity at the front end of the year, but I'm probably getting anywhere from five to 10 franchise brand applications a week right now. Um, and the reality is on average for the last two years, at least, uh, we've only been taking one brand a quarter. So it's 98% of the brands we, we just can't help or um, we're not a fit for them. And, and that's okay. And we like the fact that, you know, it's, it's a very careful decision on both ends because when we partner with the brand, you said it yourself before, Lee, we become an extension of that brand. Um, it, it's, it, it's a full partnership and, and, and it's typically a long partnership. Um, you know, the first brand that we signed eight years ago in Wagon Wash, Pet Care is still with us today. And that's that's what we want for all of our brands. And um, how are you seeing the franchise business change like through this pandemic? Have you noticed anything different? Are, are different brands kind of more attractive or less attractive? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so obviously food and restaurants slowed a little. Luckily, I think at least half our food brands um, hit their goals, and 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 that was not easy to do. But you know, a few of them did not, and and that's just a, a very difficult problem to overcome. To to 
to have somebody want to invest, you know, two, five hundred thousand dollars plus in a business that they're not sure if they can actually open right now or not. Um, and so for that reason, certainly the restaurant industry and franchise sales and slowed last year. Um, the good news is we're seeing it pick up really quickly right now, especially in the brand that I own in Voodoo Brewery. Um, on the service side, the lower investment service models, they 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 performed really well throughout 2020 and throughout the pandemic. We had record-breaking years for a, a couple of those brands, as did um, the pet brands that we have. Two of those brands had record-breaking years, um, quite considerably so, actually. So pets and services um, has never been a better time to be one of those franchise brands, and, and food had a tough year. But I'll say this, you know, I, 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 I've tried to, um, to coach a few of our brands and luckily most of them have, have, have stayed in the game and have continued to market because they've got full pipelines now. And I think that where, where it's going for food franchises and why they should be optimistic and why, you know, we got involved in Voodoo Brewery is I, I just see such an opportunity in food franchising now. You've got, unfortunately, mom and pop food restaurants um, of all types um, closing to this day. And, and it's, it's, it's terrible, but there's been over 100,000 of them closed already. Um, the other side of that is, is you're going to have enormous opportunities in real estate if you're looking to open a food franchise or you're a food franchisor. You know, we're already seeing A and B locations at C pricing. Um, and it's only from what we can see in the market, it's only going to get more affordable. That, that, that space is only going to be more of a, a leases market. And, and so that's going to have food franchise P&Ls more healthy than we think we've ever seen them as brands come in and secure these locations with, with, with fewer competition too in terms of competing food brands next to them and, and around now. So, you know, I could go on and on about interest rates. There's just a long list of reasons why, you know, the answer for, for you, Lee, is, you know, food was tough last year, but I'm, I, I couldn't be more bullish on food in, in, in second, certainly the second half of 2021. Now, are you seeing any other trends in franchising? I've seen, because I do this show, I've seen a lot of, um, I don't know what you the industry term is, but I call it like kind of clusters around like maybe home services where they, you know, the, they get the client acquisition of one brand, but then they can share that client with other uh, complementary services. Are you seeing more of that kind of uh, clustering of, of franchises around uh, like the home say, and I haven't seen it yet and maybe there is, but I would imagine there's also a possibility of clusters around business services as well. Yeah. I had to have seen that in the home services sector. And certainly when um, there's parent brands involved that own multiple brands, similar uh, of a similar nature Certainly, we're seeing a lot of that. And we don't have any of that really at Raintree. We're, part of being selective is, is we really only take one brand per segment that's truly differentiated. That's part of our thing is we've got to make sure that in just one sentence, we can very clearly and quickly articulate to, to the candidates how this is different and why it's, it's potentially got an advantage, a brand advantage. So for both those reasons, we don't have anything clustered either business services or home services, but certainly in home services, we're seeing more and more of that. And it seems to make sense for, for those brands that are doing it. And then uh, let's talk a little bit about your work with Voodoo. Um, what got you excited enough to where you're like, I'm going to write them a check and, uh, and really start working with them and grow this thing. What, what did you like about the Voodoo model that separated itself from other, uh, you know, kind of craft beer uh breweries out there 
Yeah, it's a good question. So there's a few phases to how that that came about. And the first phase was just looking at Voodoo Brewery as a potential partner and, and a client here at Raintree. Um, and what we liked initially was just, again, it was very well differentiated. There'd been some big corporate kind of chain franchises in, in the beer segment um, over the last decade, but nothing niche, locally based, um, nothing like Voodoo Brewery. So we at, at Raintree, in terms of selling franchises, saw that as, as really a big opportunity. There was nothing really like it out there. Um, fast forward, you know, that was, you know, we went through the process, evaluated the economics. Um, it all seemed to tick the boxes from a franchise development partnership perspective, and we moved forward on that front. It wasn't really till we got out there and, and met Mateo and Jake and saw the operation, certainly tried the product, saw the kind of cult following it had there in, in Pennsylvania and, and, and certainly along the East Coast, and, and really started to, to see the magic of it and had our eyes kind of wide open. Um, and at that point, we got really excited. Um, I think once, you know, COVID hit and, and, you know, Voodoo had to shut down a number of the eight locations, um, certainly there was an opportunity to come in financially and help to, to help with the franchise side. And why we saw that as a good idea was everything that I just mentioned. Um, again, you know, you take a brand that we haven't really seen a brand with a product following like this. Like you look under the hood and you look at how great this liquid is. Um, you know, just they've been consistently rated a top 50 brewery internationally over the last 10 years. Uh, you see that they've never really spent a dollar on marketing, but, you know, put up a couple of Facebook posts and they've got 40,000 followers on Facebook. You see that the first franchisee that they awarded, you know, opens his location and has 6,000 franchise, uh, sorry, Facebook followers. These sound like little um, seemingly insignificant things, but all very big clues to us on how special this is and how crazy would we would be to, to miss out on the opportunity to partner with them um, as a franchisor and help lead them on, on an operations side too. So uh, there was just a lot to likely, and we were just really thankful they, they, they were um, up for the partnership and, and, and more than anything, and, and I didn't say this, really great group of guys. I often say, you know, when we're looking at brands at Raintree, it's, it's important to, to make sure that you're betting on the jockey, maybe even more so than the horse. Um, and when you meet this guy, they, this group of guys, the culture's there. They they've given equity to all the the employees there. It's employee owned. Um, they're just great people, and we thought, you know, we love partnering with great people. So a lot to answer there, Lee, but a lot that we liked. And then any advice for um, kind of maybe emerging franchisors out there to help them kind of in their growth, is there some things that you see that you're like, why do these people make this mistake over and over again? Like, don't do that. You know, like you, you're doing this every day for multiple brands. Any advice you can give folks out there that can maybe ease some of their learning curve? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest mistake I see younger brands make is, is coming into franchising undercapitalized. I think that you know, folks think that you can 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 get in and, and recruit franchise owners on a budget of you know one or two thousand dollars a month, and you know you've got to look at it from a macro perspective. And this is how I kind of coach them: when you sell a franchise, say it's you know an average franchise of two hundred fifty thousand dollar investment for the prospect, but you know they're paying you know forty thousand dollars up front over the course of ten years. If the AUV is you know a million bucks, if it's a restaurant. And they're paying five percent. You know what we're seeing is is what the average ticket price and all that is is anywhere between you know often two hundred and fifty up to a million dollars per franchisee that you recruit over the ten year um, 
a partnership and that's the value of your sale ticket price. And if you think that, you know, one or $2,000, so a budget of, you know, twelve dollars to $25,000 to recruit a number of those types of sales is going to cut it, that's where a lot of them come in and, and just kind of eventually run on fumes till they run out. And, the, and most brands you'll see, you know, try two, three years um, underfunded and, and, and the majority of them don't break through and don't find the, the, the franchisees they need to start building the brand to bring in capital from those franchisees to help grow it. Um, and that's why I think you see, you know, there, of course, there's you know, 300 plus new franchise brands every year um, that join, but it's also, you'll see a, 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 um, an output or, or an exit of 300 brands that just don't make it. And that's usually the biggest thing. So if you go into franchise and you're going to recruit franchisees, make sure that you capitalize, make sure that you've saved with your existing locations, um, make sure that you've really got the funding in place. And, 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 you know, it can be, we, we coach on brands, you know, you can get away with 50 to $75,000 in, in re- recruitment costs for, for a new franchisor. If, if all the pieces are in place, if it's a lower investment, if the economics are really strong, if you've got great validation, it's possible. Um, but we really like to say, look, you, you've got to really try and shoot for $100,000 um, in, in recruitment, in, in marketing costs, if you really want to make this work. Um, that's the biggest one I see. And then is there kind of a number that you like to see uh, for an emerging brand to say, okay, they have the escape velocity. This thing has a higher probability of making it. Um, it's varies because you know we work with such different brands, from you know fifty thousand dollars service brands to million dollar plus restaurants. So it, it really does vary brand to brand. And then for you, what's the most rewarding part of the um, the job? Is it is it getting the new brand up and running is it getting that new brand more sales like where where's the fun for you yeah i mean it's an interesting question i think on the front end i love what i do every day because again especially right now when there's five to ten brands that i'm doing a deep dive with every week uh, just listening to those stories listening to how they they made their business successful in initially or how the franchise is is has got to be where it's got to be and hearing their story. And you get to hear some pretty inspiring stuff and you get to hear, you know, people's stories of grit and how they fought through and made it. And, you know, they're the the less than 1% of folks out there that get to this point and find success with their business. And just being able to hear those stories to me, I truly enjoy that. It's very, very cool. When we do partner with them on the other side, I do think it's, it's seeing, especially young brands. Now we've worked with big brands and, and really helped them like, you know, Jumper Juice had had almost negative growth for two years before they partnered with Raintree. And then we went from zero to a hundred franchises sold in a year and helped with the acquisition, their nine figure acquisition. You know, that that's very fun. And that's, that's great. Um, those types of stories with bigger brands we've helped, but it's truly the emerging brands that, that, that that's more rewarding when you see, you know, brands like Footprints Floors that we work with who, who start with just five territories and, and just not even two years later um, have them over 100 territories and 50 franchisees and brands like Houndstown, similar story that are at 60 a couple of years later. You just see the excitement in those founders. You see how, how um, you've, you've really had an impact, not only on, on helping them and changing their lives, but all those franchisees who have made good decisions in in joining those brands. And we know they're good brands because we vet the we vet the heck out of them before they come to Raintree too. And we hear the stories and we see the numbers to make sure they're successful. So you know, not only are you truly helping 
change the life of the founders, but all those those folks you bring in. And, and that's pretty cool when you stop and think about that every day too. Yeah, I think that the franchisees are the, you know, they become the heroes in their communities. They're the ones that are then funding activities for kids and, and high school students. And, and they're, you know, they're, they're making a bigger mark in the world as opposed to where a lot of them were just like a cog in the machine in some corporate job that they weren't really appreciated. And all of a sudden they get into a local market as a franchisee and they're making a difference in their community. I mean, it's, it's, I would think more rewarding work for them as well. Absolutely. And even on the family dynamic too, that's the big one that I see is, you know, you see folks that are just dejected 10, 20 years you know, less, whatever it is of, of corporate America, you know, getting up at 7am, getting home 6pm, missing all of the kids events. It's, it's that, that, that corporate grind is tough on a family and modern family life. When you see folks get into certainly some semi-absentee businesses, but even regular businesses where they control when and how, and if they need to duck away to their kids' games or, or a recital or whatever it is, you hear those stories and I hear them a lot too. And you just see the excitement and, and the thankfulness and the grateful, how grateful those franchisees are just to be, uh, just to take their freedom back and, and, and give their family, you know, a, a new start. And that for me is, 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 is everything. It's more than the money they make. You just can't buy that. Right. That's the quality of life that they've been searching for their whole lives. A lot of times. Exactly. Now, if somebody wanted to learn more, have a more substantive conversation uh, with you or somebody on your team, if you're a franchise, a potential emerging franchisor that needs help, or maybe even a franchisee that wants to check out some of your the brands you've partnered with, is there a website? Yeah, we're at raintreesales.com. Well, Brent, thank you so much for sharing your story and congratulations on all the success. Thanks, Lee. Thanks so much for chatting today. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Franchise Marketing Radio. 